Today, I want to share with you a message that only God can tie into his sermon series that I said we should do. <laughs> so at first, when he gave me this word, I'm like, God, it doesn't fit the sermon. So um, I woke up one night about 3 o'clock in the morning. And not every time you wake up in the mornings because you got to go to the bathroom. Sometimes God's just waking you up to give you a revelation. This particular time, I really had to go to the restroom, and I get up, and I said, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. It's almost Sunday. you got to give me a word, Lord. For I, I pastor people who are hungry for your presence, Lord. And they don't want nothing fake, and they don't want nothing that's just conjured up or something bought off the shelf. They want a fresh word from heaven. So speak, Lord. The pressure is on. And he said, but early in the week, I gave you a message. But you said it didn't fit in the sermon series. So let me fit it into your sermon series for you, Rowan. And uh, the message he gave me is entitled, But God, By Grace. So I need this side to say, But God. And over here, by grace. By grace. And then you're saved for his glory. Mm-hmm. See, when he interrupts your plan, it's but God. And then he reveals once you get deep into his plan, his grace. And then everybody will say, for his glory. For his glory. God, for some reason, is all concerned. And he's consumed, if I could even put that word on him, that he receives all the glory and that his glory is manifest in the earth. We were designed by God to show forth his glory. And so spiritual growth then is our desire to allow God to do through us Whatever he wants, so that he gets the glory. So he gets the glory. So we began and we looked at hindrances uh, to spiritual growth. And each week he gives me another hindrance that begins with the letter T. Um, We looked at the confusion of understanding a trial because of the issues of life versus being tempted because of our own desire to conceive our pleasure that produces death. And then after that, he says, also what hinders our spiritual growth is because we don't have a proper theology of God. We have to be centered on the cross. And I'm here to tell you in 2017 and all that will unfold and God will move and God will bless his people. And I believe there will be increase of miracles and increase of God's demonstrating his power God knows we can't get any worse. Amen, somebody. So I believe that there's going to be a demonstration of that. But we have to be centered on the cross. We have to be. And it says your theology. Jesus, as I heard quoted one time, is good theology. Jesus is good theology. We may disagree on certain things. We may disagree on a political affiliation. We may disagree on what color looks good on you and what lipstick looks good on you. We may disagree about, you know what I mean, many things, about your favorite restaurant. We may disagree, you know, about a variety of things, but one thing we will be united on is that Jesus is good theology. We have to, body of Christ. We have to get to that place where we understand and recognize because it will hinder our spiritual growth and we'll miss what God has for us. He gave me another one this week and I was studying. He says, so it's not just the confusion between uh, temptation and being tested and though they're both the same Greek word, the context recognizes and helps you to understand which one it is because we don't want people to assume that because God wants to teach us something, he brings sickness upon us because if that's the case and we always want to learn by God, we just tell God, bring more sickness on us. That doesn't make any sense. That goes against the very character and the very nature of God. So the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Whatever lie he's telling you, I rebuke that now in the name of Jesus. 
you got to make the word of God become louder than the lie of the enemy. Because if you, empower, if you believe a lie, you empower the liar. And what the enemy is after is the place of growth, and that's your heart. He's after your heart. With Judas, the Bible says, when he was sitting and having bread and eating with the other disciples, the Bible says, and Satan entered into his heart. And that's when he went ahead and conceived his plot to get rid of Jesus. And it was because of the heart. So we have to guard our heart, as the Bible says, right? We have to guard our heart. And so we have to understand the difference. And so the next one God gave me was, he says, traditions of men will hinder your spiritual growth. I believe and I prophesy in the name of Jesus that God is going to give fresh revelation that will cause us to wonder, is it God? And we have to be so in tune with the Spirit of God so we can discern, as the Bible says, strong meat is for those who can discern, who through the use of exercise is able to discern good from bad. We have to because God, just like he came walking on the water to those who are struggling, Peter said, I think I see a ghost. And in reality, it was God. Huh? It was Jesus Christ walking and coming to their rescue. And because they've never seen that before, they prescribed to something else that was God. And so we have to be careful. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Say, God, open my eyes so I can see clearly. Come on, open my eyes so I can see clearly. And so I don't want the traditions of men to hinder and to nullify the word of God. God is so potent. He's so potent that in our ignorance, he still moves and ministers. You feel me? I mean, it's some of the things that, that, that we do that's probably more emotionally driven. God still moves because he's committed to our growth. But he's saying you can't stay that way. You can't stay that way. And so he wants us then to remove the traditions of men, and he wants us to truly look to him. I'm getting to what he gave me this week to preach. I interrupted my sermon series. Just bear with me for a little bit here. I'll get to it. On my way here, I was driving and said, Lord, one of my points I want to talk about is the God factor. And he says, no. God's like, I'm not a fact, I'm a truth. So you can't say the God factor. Because you might have pain in your body. That's a fact. That's not a truth. So if you talk about just God being a God factor, you continue to perpetuate the sickness on you, and it forms religion. It gives birth to religion. He says, I have nothing to do with that. So there's no more of this concept of God factor. It's God's truth is what we want. And so that's why he says the traditions of men will nullify the truth of the word of the living God. And so he wants us now to take a look at this. And so, and so here it is now. So what God is about, what God is doing in this, in this particular month and what he's doing here in the gathering place, but I believe he's doing it to all the churches in Marion, if I can be so bold to speak on behalf of all the churches in Marion, um, if I can be so bold to do that, is that God is preparing the hearts of his people. He is, that God is preparing the hearts of his people, and we're going to see an increase, we're going to see a growth in many of the churches who are moving away from religion and are saying, God, we welcome your revelation. Interrupt our plan. Please, God, interrupt our plans, because this ain't working. There is no reason why you should gather together and be bored. The only reason why you're bored in serving the Lord is because you don't know purpose. You don't know the purpose of why we gather. Right? You think we just gather because, because it's, the, it's, it's close to our home or, or, or we gather because our friends go there. No, when you understand the purpose of gathering, you understand God is about growth. That every time, every time you leave here, you say, God, I've grown more in your glory. I've seen more of your glory. I see more of your glory. And the sad thing is this, as more of the glory of God manifests, sometimes it attracts people, but sometimes it repels people. And that's the danger as a pastor of wanting to stop the move of God because the glory is coming so heavy that I've got to bow because you cannot minister under the glory of God because but God, by grace, for his glory. And when that happens, then you have to just trust God that he's going to interrupt your plan as cute as it may seem and as good as it looks on paper, the three points that you have in your launch and everything like that. If you don't get out of the way, you'll miss what God has for you. And you'll live in a place of where you're wondering, God, can you demonstrate your power and your glory? I know God's here this morning. I, I know one of you is radical enough to believe God. I don't know if all of you, but I know someone came in the house this morning. 
And I'm just radical enough to believe that God is going to do something in my life. So you keep on believing God for that. Uh, You keep on believing God for that. And so you should never be bored serving God. When I gave my heart to Jesus Christ at the age of 18 years old, every single day, I didn't say God easy, but every single day God revealed himself more to me. There were times when I missed his revelation, but because but because of his grace, he sustains me. He sustains you. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. So I will never be bored serving Jesus. We have a generation that thinks serving Jesus Christ is not cool or serving Jesus Christ is not relevant. That's because you don't know purpose. I don't care what they label you. I don't care what label they give to you. God's word is still relevant for you. Right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't have programs and we shouldn't have different things that can attract people to church. But my God, if young people don't receive the power of God to live in this time and in this age, we have wasted their time. There's no reason why a young person at the age of, I believe, 18, and, and, and check the statistic, but a very young age, that when they finally get to a place where they don't have to be in home anymore, they walk away from the faith of their parents. Because the faith was never theirs in the first place. It was never theirs. It was either Fluffy the Clown that you brought in or it was some, some, some sort of activity that you did and there was no substance, there was no root, there was no depth to it. They didn't know purpose. They didn't know God's plan for their life. They left confused. There was religious actions. They did it to please you. But when they leave now and in the halls of higher academia and they start talking about what God are you talking about? He's not welcome here. No, no, no. And so all of a sudden now they flow with the culture and they flow with what's going on and they say, I'm bored. And do all kinds of things when you're bored because to be bored truly is the absence of purpose, is the absence of knowing that God has a plan for your life. So to speak boldly under the anointing of God and to speak to all the churches in Marion and churches in Delaware and the churches in Busar, wherever there's a church that is welcoming the presence and the power of God, that's the church I'm talking to today. I feel a holy boldness coming on. And Father, I just pray for healing for all those with, with, with physical issues, Lord God, and, and doctor's report of cancer and, and, and all of that. Lord, we just we pray and thank you, um, Father God. And we just declare it now in Jesus' name, healing, Lord, and they will demonstrate and they will tell people about your healing power and, and, and manifest your glory even this morning, oh God. Manifest your glory, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your purpose, God. We are not bored. We are people who are passionately pursuing your agenda. So interrupt our plans, oh God, that your purpose may be known. In Jesus' name. And so what God wants to do is this. And, and let me share with you this quote. And, and, and if you get nothing else out of, this, out of this particular month's sermon series, I pray that you've been receiving great revelation and not just information. But, but, but if, if you get nothing else out of this message, please, please capture this. I was talking to someone uh, earlier, and I, and I love what, what she said. She says, every time I come in, I leave, it's like the word of God just sticks. That's a good word. Good word. Just The word of God just sticks. Dicks. You know, and sometimes you can be amongst people and what is said just leaves you as soon as you get out the door. You know what I mean? The enemy just waiting for you. As soon as you get out the door, he just knocks you out. You know what I'm saying? Someone just cuts you off after you're driving and you just lost your anointing. <laughs> Been in God's presence all day, you know what I mean? And you go out and someone just didn't, you know, indicate and all of a sudden it's all over now. It didn't stick. You feel me? And, 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 so, and so one of the things I want to stick is this, and it's a statement. And so for those who are English majors, you can criticize, dissect, and rip it apart. I don't care. This is from God. You know what I mean? So, so, so here it is. Here it is. Um, and I'm going to say two ways because there is different ways of receiving. Okay? So watch this now. So a heart prepared by God is a heart prepared for growth by grace. So a heart prepared by God is a heart prepared for growth by grace. And we're going to look at the scriptures for that. 
Or in other ways, if you want to end at looking at by grace, you could then say, by grace, a heart prepared for growth is a heart prepared by God. It doesn't matter how you look at it, I want you to write it down. If you have a smartphone, put it in your smartphone or whatever, or, or watch this Facebook, you, you know, live when, when you go back, whatever. But I want you to capture this from my heart and from what God has downloaded to me and from my spirit to you, the beautiful people that God has called me in this season to pastor. I want you to understand that, that a heart, a heart prepared by God, spiritual growth really is about God wanting to capture your heart. And he's so committed to your growth that he says, I will make a personal investment in your growth. That I will do it. That I'm the one preparing your heart. Because I want it to grow. I want it to grow. So here it is now. So I am um, reading the word of God. We're going to get to this. And so I get to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm reading it. And then I get to uh, verse number verse number 4. And verse number 4, it just leaped off the page when I read it. And it said this, and I'm looking at this word, and I'm saying, God, I know you're speaking to me right now. And this word in Ephesians 2 verse 4 from the English Standard Version said, but God, and so it's the first time I said, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. And that was it. And I read it again, I said, hold on. But God uh, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, and I read it, and I was like, oh, man, that's a great Facebook post. And I, I didn't put it on Facebook. And I'm looking at it again, and God's just over and over and over. He's giving me this word. I said, but God, it doesn't fit in this series. What in the world does it have to do with growth? And it went again and again, and he, and, he, and he had me focus on the word rich in mercy. He didn't just say, but God, mercy. He says, but God, rich in mercy. And then I said, my mind started to think about Forrest Magazine and the wealthiest people on the planet and the billionaires and, and Bill Gates and the other wealthy billionaire in Mexico and, 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 and uh, uh, Warren Buffett and all these people. And I'm looking at this and God is saying, but their wealth, who those people are so wealthy that they can finance and fund some countries. I want you to get the perspective of what I'm teaching you now. That they have enough money that human ingenuity has gained all this money that they make the Forbes list of billionaires, which the majority are in America. Think about that. Another message, another day. And he says, Rowan, their wealth is if it's just a grain of sand in the largest desert compared to my wealth. So he didn't just want you to know about his mercy. He says that, that alone is out of this world. That whatever is connected to God is out of this world. It, 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 forever and ever and for all eternity, you'll be pondering on the mercy of God. You will never be able to extract the totality of God's mercy. Never. Even when you get to heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that's why you should never be bored because in getting revelation from God, it never ceases. Oh gosh. That there's always fresh revelation God has given of who he is that ought to excite you, that ought to cause your toe to start to just move. It always starts in the toe sometimes. You know what I'm saying? That it moves in your body. And that's why a church is happening. I'm not saying you have to run to prove God's here. I'm saying because God's here, I'm running. And when I think about the goodness of Jesus, and when I think about his mercy, I apologize if you're sitting beside me. There are times I just have to move more than my pinky. Come on. There are times I've got to be undignified, and i got to stand up. Come on. And every now and then i got to just lift my hands. Come on. Because I'm trying to settle this that I'm feeling inside of me. Because I know it's not appropriate right now to do it. But I'm sorry when I think of the goodness of Jesus. Is anybody thinking of the goodness of Jesus? I didn't say what's going on in your life. I said the goodness of Jesus. 
Because what? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Because what's going on in your life is a fact. Until it lines up with the Word of God, then it becomes the truth. Oh, that's a revelation for somebody. Receive it. Man, I'm throwing out seed. Good God Almighty. And so I look, and he says, he says, I'm rich in mercy. And then I continue with this text, Ephesians 2, verse 4. And he says, because of the great love. I said, hold on. The agape, the Greek word for love, on condition, is already sufficient. But he adds, great love. I'm like, what in the world is the Holy Ghost revealing to the Apostle Paul in this text that God wants me to get now in 2017? And after all of that, I still say God, but it's not part of my sermon series. We made the flyer. Larry made the flyer. Come on, God. We can't. We can't change it now, can we? Come on. How do I interrupt this series? And here's when God says, at 3 o'clock when I woke up, and I said, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak. He said, well, I didn't interrupt your servant. I just revealed my word to you. He says, look at the beginning of the message of Ephesians, but God. And then he says, now go to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. He says, Lord, you've been preaching this from the time you started the series. You just didn't see it. And so God says, I want you to preach, but God. And he said, now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. And here it is right there. I'm like, oh, God, you're so good. He goes, yeah, I didn't interrupt your series. I just want you to know that I'm in control. That it's my agenda. And as cute as the title, as cute as the flyer is, come on, I want you to know it's all about me, Ron. I'm like, okay, daddy. It really is. He says, tell my people, but God. And then we're going to end by grace. And I'm telling you, when you get the statement that a heart prepared by God is a heart prepared for growth, by grace, you're going to see this revelation. You're going to do cartwheels. Or you're going to do what I walked in. You're going to break dance. Don't, 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 I feel a temptation coming on. Ah, yeah. Let me stay put. Let me stay put. And so when you understand that, it's going to stick. It's going to be great revelation. And you'll express that however you want to express that. But ultimately, God will get the glory. And so here it is now. Here it is. And he says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, he says, Rowan, look at it again. I said, yeah. He goes, I plant, this is the Apostle Paul, Apollos waters. And he says, but God. I said, oh, there it is. There it is. He says, but God. I'm like, yes. God. I don't know how that excites you, man. I'm like, he didn't kill my sermon series. He added to it. So Paul was saying, I plant Apollos waters. Someone said, but God gives the growth. Oh God, you ought to slap your neighbor. Come on and say, but God. Now we know you know this vocabulary. We know you know this in, the, in, in your language. Because people will talk about this situation and then they will add the word but and cancel everything out you just said. So you know how to use it as a conjunction to connect things. So here you brag about the goodness of God and then you go ahead and say but. You have it wrong. You use truth and then you use but to bring a fact. He says you must start with the truth. Come on. Come on. So, so here is how you, you do it now. I feel pain in my body. Fact. But God is my healer. Truth. Huh? And that's your spiritual growth. You're changing your language. Because something got a hold of your heart. It's called the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost gets the word from heaven. And God and Jesus said, I'm interceding for you. Don't cancel out the blessing. Don't remove my word from your life. 
So I said, oh my goodness, God. Now watch this now. He gave me some examples of, but God. But God. Now watch this. This is so awesome. In Genesis chapter 31, verse 6 and 7. Genesis chapter 31, verse 6 and 7. Right? And so I get up this morning, and I get to look at Facebook, and, 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 and Rochelle puts up on Facebook, and I was like, confirmation, Lord. But God. But God. And watch this now. So here it is. Here it is. Here's Jacob now. He's working hard. He's doing everything that needs to happen. That's how our lives are, isn't it? We're trying to obey God. We have a call of God in our life. Somehow from our birth, our, our, our birth and things that happen, you know, uh, Jacob with his brother Esau, and he's running, and, and all of a sudden now, Jacob goes, his mom tells him, he runs, and, and he's prosperous. Jacob now is increasing. It is God that's blessing Jacob. In the midst of Jacob being a deceiver, God is blessing him. Please understand, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I can live anywhere I want. I'm going to be blessed by God. You're missing the whole point I'm talking about, but God. I'm talking about but God and what he's doing. And so here he is now, and all of a sudden now, Jacob gets to a point where he calls his wives in, and he says, now listen to the injustice that's been taking place in my life. How many experienced an injustice right now that, doesn't, that, that, that you didn't ask for it, it just showed up at your front door? Huh? You're just, you're facing something. You're, you've been faithful. You, you're doing everything you possibly know how to do. But all of a sudden now, this injustice showed up into your life. It showed up to, to stop your growth. It, it came to rob you of your joy. It came to steal your emotion. It came to destroy everything. You know what that injustice is. You can label it. It's the butt you always put in front of it. Come on. You know an injustice shows up. It silenced your praise. And because you know just enough about God, you can't leave him, but you don't know enough about him to pursue him. And so you get into what we call religion. The injustice. And Jacob is saying here, this, this injustice. And so it begins in verse 6. You know that I've served your father with all my strength. Given his justification for his position. And he goes on. He says, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. That was a fact. That did happen. And Jacob is mad now. He's saying, look at all this thing that I have. And here it is now that this injustice showed up. And he's talking to his wife and he says, it's your father's fault why I'm feeling this way. And if he would have stayed at that particular place, I believe he would have missed the moment to wrestle with God. Here he is making this statement of fact. If you know the story, you know that every time he worked seven years uh, for Rachel, but he gave him Leah. And he says, oh my goodness, I want Rachel. And he worked another seven years. And then they said, okay, fine, serve me for this. And Jacob was faithful. He was doing everything. But we know and we must always acknowledge it was God that was increasing his life. We must never allow prosperity in the material things to rob us of our intimacy with God. I am convinced that God is preparing your heart because he wants to bring resources to you. Multi-million dollars of resources to lift the economic situation in Marion, in your city. But he has to prepare your heart because if it comes in such a big flow like that, you then will have a heart that becomes greedy for the wealth of the world. And all of a sudden you now stifle the growth of God and he can't get it to you. And what we do is we justify it by saying, well, if you're prosperous, that can't be God. No, no, no. Let's not take something that God wants to do and justify it because it's not happening in our lives oh let me say that again god wants to bring resources to you don't just limit it to money god wants are you hearing me god wants to bring resources to you he wants to increase you he wants to bless you so you can be a blessing to other people he wants to release a spirit of generosity into your life so other people can prosper he really does look at me like you're convinced he really wants to bless you he wants to bring resources to you. And so it was one thing if Jacob would have ended it right there by just giving the injustice. But God, oh my goodness. Someone say, but God. Did not permit him to harm me. 
oh my goodness, I'm about to do cartwheels now. Watch this. He, he acknowledged the fact, but he put, but God didn't allow you to harm me. That if you had it in your mind to hurt me, you couldn't even touch me. Oh my goodness. And when you walk with a bone, see, that's a but God individual. That says this injustice I don't like, but God didn't permit you to harm me. Prove it, preacher. Well, read further in Genesis 31. And all of a sudden now, God speaks to Laban in a dream. And watch this now. And it, and it begins in verse 24. He says, but God came to Laban. So Jacob acknowledged a revelation before it even came to the person who was recognizing it. He says, this is what your father has been trying to do to me. But God did not permit him to harm me. And so to make sure that that statement was truth, because he says, but God, he acknowledged the fact, but God and the truth. Now Laban is sleeping and God, but God. Jacob declared a word in the atmosphere. That finally hit Laban. And God says, get up, but God. You ought to shout, but God. Let your word travel to that injustice. Come on. Let the word travel to that place in your life that's holding you back from receiving the praise of God. You got to speak as someone shout, but God. This is a rich word. I'm preaching. Good God Almighty. Watch this. Jacob released something in the atmosphere. That God says, my word will not return unto me void, saith God. But it will accomplish that which I've sent it forth to do. And when you look at a fact that is right in front of your face, AJ, and you say, but God. When the enemy tries to come and take your family out, you guys say, oh, no, no, no. Ask for me in my house. But God, we will serve the Lord. You got to serve notice to that injustice and says, no, 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 baby. You think you knocked me out? I got to buck God. So disappointment, but God. Failure, but God. Come on, come on, come on. But God, but God. Watch this now. So that was Jacob who gave birth, or his wife that gave birth to Joseph. And Joseph now, in verse 17 to 20, experienced a major injustice. He experienced an injustice with his family. He experienced an injustice with Potiphar's wife. He experienced an injustice with one of the prisoners who said, when I get out of here, I'll tell Pharaoh about you, but forgot. You know what it's like to be forgotten? You have somebody else out, but they didn't return it back in favor? Come on disappointed where they says okay no no no. when when it's good for me I'll make sure I remember you and it gets good for you and all of a sudden you forget and so the Bible says that that, that he forgot about Joseph but God did not and things were set up and so all of a sudden now it gets to a place where favor someone say favor you see but God will always put you in favor and so here was Joseph now, and, 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 and Pharaoh had a revelation, had a dream. I'm telling you, the body of Christ, the church, if we prepare our hearts for the revelation that God's going to be doing, people in government, people in places of influence are going to come to the church and say, I need to understand what God is doing. Can you believe that God will actually use you and I to speak revelation to a nation? But if you don't have a butt God inside of you and you just sit on your butt, come on, sir. God's never going to be able to position you for a place of influence. If you allow the injustice to get into your heart, to conceive a sin that gives forth death, you will not increase, you will decline. You'll dwindle. You'll be of no relevance. And so what they would do now is that they would just say, okay, that's just a religious crowd. You know what I mean? Just stay contained right here. Don't get all radical. What is your issue? Stop being so aggressive. Just go with the flow. Huh? When the church cries out for injustice, why do you tell us to shut up? But everybody else can cry out injustice, and we've given wide open audience to that. 
But the church cries for its injustice and everything like, ah, you don't have to do all that. No, we got to cry out for injustice from every area, every issue. Huh? We won't be just one issue, people. Come on, somebody. We teach the full counsel of God. I know I'm preaching this thing. Thank you, Daddy. He gave me a but God, obviously, this morning. Come on. And so here it is now. He, here is Joseph. Joseph gets to his place now. And, and so all of a sudden, um, his brothers realized that the favor of God was on him. And they come to him now, because I'm going somewhere with this. I talked about Jacob, and I talked about the injustice, but God. And here it is now, that in verse 17 of Genesis chapter 50, uh, um, Jacob tells his sons, and they're telling Joseph what Jacob told them. Say to Joseph, this is Jacob now, who had a but God. Is telling Joseph now, he needs a but God. And he can't allow the injustice, the, the, the inequality, and what has happened to him to rob him of growth. Because God is rich in mercy and great in love towards those he loves. And he now says to him, says, say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin. I want you to remember that now. Because in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, we're going to see Paul now give a, theolo- a theological understanding of transgression and sin. But he's looking at it from here, from the Old Testament. Holy Ghost, help me to slow down because this thing is so rich. I, 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 I got, I'm fighting against the clock. Say, slow down, Pastor Ro. Okay? Because I'm struggling with getting you out of here. Come on, somebody. But getting what's in me to get out. So there's a war going on inside because I'm struggling getting what's in me to get out. But I'm also struggling with giving you time to get out of here. So, so, so. Okay. Okay. Because I got a butt God inside of me. Uh Uh-huh. And so he now says, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. So it says, forgive their transgressions and their sin. He puts two separate things in this. Forgive them of their transgression and forgive them of their sin. And so Joseph, being a type of Christ, it's important as they're prophetically declaring this, you're going to really understand what Jesus did. Because I'm convinced we fully don't understand our salvation. And so God is saying what is contingent upon me giving you deep revelation is you just understand the basic of salvation. See, a child, and we'll get to this in 1 John 2, speaks of the child as one stage of maturity or one stage of growth and all they know is my sins are forgiven. And that's all where they park it and that's all where they get in the vehicle of God's grace and they park it right there in my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God now. I'm a child of God now and I'm going to park it right here. But there's some of you says, no, I've got to grow. And you want to move from just being a child, you want to move to being a young man. And John says, now when you're a young man, you know how to use the word of God. It's not just because I have a relationship with the Father and my sins are forgiven. I know how to use the word of God my Father gave me. Because I know how to overcome the evil one. Because he is the culprit. He's the one bringing the injustice. And I have to learn how to use the word of God. The word of God has to abide in me. I need to have a but God when the enemy comes up against me. I can't just be here and know that I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And my sins are forgiven. I've got to step into this realm now and say, I know how to use the word that abides in me to tell the devil, I got to butt God. And I'll speak to your facts and I'll speak it with truth. And that's so now you go to the place where it says, Now, fathers, before you know him, that's a different Greek word. It means you have intimate relationship. What that means when you reach a place of father, and it doesn't mean male or female, it's not gender related, it simply means a place of maturity, is when you know the God of the word. See, it's one thing to know God as Father. Right? AJ Alex knows that you're his, you're his Father. He knows that. But that could be the depth of the relationship. What you want now is to become a young man that the words you speak to him abides in him. So he can overcome the pressures. He can have a but God moment. Because he saw his daddy whoop the devil. He knows what to do. My God. Woo! Oh yeah, baby. I felt it right there. Felt it right there. My God, I felt it right there. I'm going to use what my daddy gave me. Come on. I'm going to use what my daddy gave me. He gave me a but God. 
There were times when there was pressure coming, but I saw my daddy get on his knees. But God, so I could stand on my feet. Good God Almighty, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. We got to get on our knees so the generation can stand on their feet. Someone shout, but God. But God. Oh. My God. Someone say, I'm growing. I'm growing, my God. I'm moving from stage of maturity to stage of maturity. And now I understand the God of the Word. Woo! I just don't understand the Word. I know the God of the Word. And so here he is now. He says... He says, now please forgive the transgression of the servant of, of the God of your father. Joseph went and they spoke to him. His brother also came and fell down before him. He says, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? He says, let me tell you something. I didn't like the prison, but I understood God's purpose and not my plans. I didn't like waiting on God, but it was worth the wait. Because when I was in prison, I found a but God. Huh? And I found a praise on the inside. I had to get it out. And so here it is now. He says this. And now he's bringing theology to these individuals. He's bringing right theology to his brothers. Because they make up the church. Oh, God. And Joseph now is instructing the church on how to use the but God effectively. He now comes and says, first of all, do I stand in the place of God? God is the judge. We are simply the conduits of where truth comes through that we flow out. So our injustice is because we understand what God is doing. And we will not allow any plan of the enemy to deform and to destroy the work of God. So I committed my heart to the agenda of the kingdom of heaven. And that's why I cannot see injustice and walk by. I cannot be religious when I see my neighbor who has been beaten down. I can't be like the lawyers who steps out of the way. I'm sorry. i got to get involved. i got to butt God. And I can't be like the Pharisees who says, or the priests, excuse me, who says I can't touch anything that even looks like it's dead. Come on, somebody. And so therefore, because you have no power to raise the dead, that's why you can't touch the dead. And so all of a sudden now, oh, that's another curse. Oh, God. But I will be like a Samaritan who came and bound up the wounds and brought him to the church. And I have resources so I can say, take care of him. Huh? Take care of him because I got the resources necessary because I have a but God. And here's why I believe. Holy Ghost inspiring this statement right here. The reason why the Samaritan came and just was teaching and the lawyer tried to justify himself. And I believe what God is saying is this. is because we at one time were those who were beaten and left for dead. And that's grace. So as the church, when we see injustice, what we are preaching is truth because we understand where you've been because we were there as well. But God... So it's not that I'm thinking I'm better than you. I'm just telling you I recognize my but God. And the but God is available for you as well. Just have to give him your heart and you will see the but God. So don't assume when I'm speaking truth, I'm judging you. No, I'm giving you a but God. For I'm not in the place of God. I'm just telling you, but God. And so here it is. Joseph is giving a rich theological lesson to his brothers. Mm. And now he recognizes the fact because you have to let people know where they currently are so they can know where they need to be. And he says, as for you, you meant evil against me. It wasn't a sly on his brothers. No, no, no. Joseph grew. He understood the favor of God. He said, your motive was evil against me. You have to recognize your transgressions and your sins so you can understand the rich mercies and the great love of God. 
that you come to me trembling, you come to me afraid, but I'm not in the place of God. So we got many people, especially young people, they're afraid of God, but they don't fear God. And they don't know the difference. They think he's just a God of no, a God of no, a God of no. When he's always been saying, yes, all my promises are yes and amen. The reason why you don't like it because you don't have a but God. Okay? And he says, and here it is now. As for you, you meant evil against me. Stop. But God meant it for good. To bring about that, uh, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What a rich word. What a rich word. Now, all of that. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. And let's look at the first few verses of that scripture. And we're going to see how we tie all this together now. And why this thing will stick. And we have a but God. Oh, this stuff is so powerful. Thank you, Jesus, for interrupting our plans and bringing your agenda. Now watch this. So now he goes and he says, and you, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. He brings this rich theology, this rich understanding of their position in Christ with but God. Because he wants to get to verse 4, but he's got to bring him to understand why he said rich mercy and why he said great love. He shows the condition of what transgression and sin did. Please understand this. Jesus didn't commit suicide. He willingly chose to go to the cross so you and I can have a but God. He wasn't murdered. He laid down his life. He boldly said to them, you can't take my life. I can open my mouth and get a butt God right now and bring angels down to rescue me. Because I've reached a place of maturity. Good God Almighty. That's why he started ministry at the age of 30. It represented symbolic of maturity. And so here and now he starts. And so therefore it didn't doesn't matter how long his ministry was. See, we think, well, I was only three and a half years. When you're full and you know the one of the word, you don't need time. That you do more in three years than someone could do in 30 years. And that's why we do three years of teaching to try to do 30 years of ministry. Jesus changed around. Nope, I got 30 years with the Father to do three years of ministry. And I transformed the world. And so here he is now. And, 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 and he goes and he says, you who were, you who were, right, dead in trespassing and sins. In which you once walked, following the course of this world. And there it is right there. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So he labors now, and he says, this is the condition. This is what the, 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 the brothers of Joseph, right, Jacob's son, this was their position because they even said he must be dead. Yeah. Oh God. Thank you God for the revelation. They said let's, let's, let, let's not kill him. But, but let's give him and let's sell him. And at this point now it's been so long. They thought surely he must have died. They even went back to their father and said Jacob look. Here's the evidence that he must be dead. And so all of a sudden now we're seeing. That, that no matter how good we think we are. We'll never get to a place where we can ever say. God my goodness has won your favor. Am I making sense? The best you can offer is still filthy acts to God. So we are dead. We are desperate. We are depressed. We are deprived. That was our position. But God. There are people who the enemy has lied to, the prince of the power of the air, that now works in the the sons of disobedience because they don't want to surrender their hearts to God. They're walking in disobedience to the plan of God for their life, right? And so they wonder why all these things are happening to them and why all these things are going on. It's because they don't know God. And the best they can do, the person who, who, who's great, has a great marriage, has a white picket fence, come on, have two cars and, and 2.1 children. I don't know how that ever works, but a 2.1 children, and they got everything, and you tell them they need God. They says, what do you mean I don't need God? Everything's going great for me. No, baby, your best day is your worst day. 
your, your best day is your worst day. And so now when they realize that it's not working for them, they go to other things that they need to crave, other things to fulfill this desire. And we're telling them, you need a but God. It's what you need. You have to grow spiritually. You grew in your material prosperity. You're the CEO of a company. You have great things. You've reached the highest place in your career, but you're still empty. It's because you need a but God. You need a but God. And so... Watch what he does now. So, with but God, this came from John Piper, this is so good. When you put verse 3 against verse 7, it says this. We were children of wrath, verse 3. But God, verse 7, promises endless kindness. So you were this, but God, now you're this, excuse me. I'll say it again. You were this, but God, now you're this. Oh my so fast he does it upon confession. And so when you put verse 2 against verse 6, verse 2 says, we were enslaved to the spirit of this age, to this culture. But God, oh my goodness, freed us to sit with Christ in heaven. Verse 6. Are you getting this? And when we put verse 1 over against verse 5 and 6, we were dead in sins, but God made us alive with Christ. You got to act and you got to know that you're alive today. Some was walking and, oh Lord, problems of my life and what's going on. I'm going to funeral again to that service because we're not alive. Listen, man, I don't care what the enemy's trying to do. You got to give God praise. You got to give God glory. I remember when I was in Bible college and I could only call Magon whenever the other, you know, the students got out of the way. And I remember we had a major phone bill because we talked to each other so much. But there were times I couldn't reach Magon. Times I couldn't talk to mommy. Come on. And the enemy's bombarding me with lies and bringing up my sins and, and transgressions. But God... And so I talked about this fake it to make it, right? And it wasn't this thing, I'm faking it. I'm saying I'm not going to, I mean, I feel it, but I'm going to faith it. Because I know that I'm alive because I have a but God. And so I start to declare the things of God. I put on worship music. I change the atmosphere. Why? Because I'm no longer going to allow the praise of the power of the air to try to control my atmosphere. Don't let the prince of the power of the air destroy and disrupt your atmosphere. And that's why attitude is one of the biggest things. When people have an attitude, when I'm at work and when I'm at home, I say, girls, don't be, don't, no, 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 don't allow that attitude because what you're doing is you're, you're becoming toxic. Huh? You're becoming toxic. You're living like the way you used to. Come on, somebody. You're not that anymore. Come on, somebody. You are now a new creation in Christ. He's redeemed you. He's freed you. He gave you a but God. We have this Monopoly game that we play. And so, and so I, I hate losing to Monopoly. And so when we, when we play the old school way, you know, the rules I made up back in the ghetto. Come on, you know what I mean? And I'm trying to teach my girls and my wife the rules of the hood. I said, no, baby, man, free parking means you get the money in the middle. It don't mean just free park, ah, baby. I get the money in the middle. Thank you. I need deliverance when it comes to Monopoly because I'll just, I'll just throw the board if I'm losing. I don't play this game anymore, man. But they have this new Monopoly now where it's cards. And what happens is that you can have this card that says, I think it's called broker deal or something like that, where I can put this card down and, and I can just take whatever I want from another person. Deal breaker? Uh, thanks, Lizzie. I mean, they're whooping my butt in this game. And I'm getting mad. I don't want to play anymore because I'm losing, right? <laughs> I need deliverance from that. And so Megan, I knew she had this one card that if I played the deal breaker... She could put a card that said, just say no. And so my action by putting down deal brick, I'm about to steal your property. She says, no, I got to, but God, just say no. Boom. So I knew she had one card that said, just say no. So I played one thing and tried to grab it. She says, no, baby, just say no. I said, oh, I got another one in my cards. 
And I put another one down. And all of a sudden, out of her hand comes, just say no again. You, because the rich mercy of God, will never run out of just say no cards. So every time the devil wants to take your health, he wants to take your joy, he wants to take your family, he wants to take your life, just say no. Pull out that card. Pull out that rich in mercy. Pull it out. Pull out the great love of God. And just say no. Woo. My God, I'm feeling this thing. I'm feeling this thing. I'm feeling this thing. My God. I'm feeling this thing. I think it's time for a praise break right there. Come on. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. But God. But God. Come on, but God. Let everybody know in Marion, but God. Huh? Talk about the drug problems, but God. My God, my God, see, see, the, the, the word trespass in the Greek means to fall short. So, so it's almost as if, you know, Richie's going hunting or Rob's going hunting and, and the deer is there. Sorry for those who don't hunt and Bambi and stuff like that, but, but that's what they do. So they're going out and, and they shoot and it falls short of the prey. That's what it means to transgress. It means, it means to fall short. It doesn't reach its intended target. So all that you're doing cannot reach your goal of pleasing God. And so you take these errors and you're trying to shoot at perfection. You're trying to shoot at maturity. And it keeps falling short because you are dead in trespassing. For all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. And so we continue to do that. And we just change the name. We just change the name of it. That's transgression. He says, you fall short. That's one thing just to say I fall short of the glory of God. But he now wants to get us to understand our condition so you wouldn't know how to give God praise. He says not only did you fall short. He says you also sinned which means missed the mark. So not only did you fall short. You missed the mark of what God asked for you. So God now rich in mercy says I've got to intervene. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I said I've got to do it but God. Oh my gosh. What you need right now in your situation, as I launch you out with this, is you need to live in a perpetual state of having but gods available to you. But God. Not but gods, but God. But God. But God. But God. Lord, I thank you for restoring everything to me. Because in this game of life, Sometimes I'm dealt a hand. Sometimes I'm dealt with things that I didn't ask for. And it just shifted my finance. It shifted my family. It shifted my faith. Have you ever been shifted before? You get a medical report or something, it just shifts your faith. Uh, Times with my family were just shifted. Relationships I thought that were going to be solid for the rest of my life got shifted. Huh? My integrity question shifted. And if I didn't pull out my butt God, I would allow that seed to take root in my heart and it would have stopped the growth that God was doing. If you're here this morning, and the first thing you must do is this. Understand that you're saved by grace, not of works. Receive the love of God and receive his mercy by opening up your heart and say, Jesus, come in and do the work in my life. Now, after times when I launch in this ministry and I ask for those who want to give their heart to Jesus, uh, people with no response, I'm assuming everyone here, you, you, you know Jesus your Lord and Savior. But I, I want to give an opportunity for that individual who's been hearing me right now and you were served in justice 
There's nothing they can do about it because you, this is how life is. It's sin. It's transgression. It, it's sin. Unless you accept the mercy and the love of God, you will be in that perpetual state of confusion and you will miss what God has for you. That's why we preach the gospel. It's called spiritual growth in the gospel. You need the gospel of Jesus Christ. America, the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news for America. It is not bad news. It is good news. It'll grow the economy. It'll protect our borders. It will do everything that you need. That's what we need. We need a Christ-centered focus on Jesus and the church. You are the ones with the but God. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the first thing you have to do. He's not boring. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to welcome you to a deep relationship with him. Receive him. (coughs) Excuse me. Is there anyone here that you're saying, Pastor Roe, I've tried everything I can. I've tried everything and it's not working. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. I want a heart that's prepared by God. Is there anyone here with every head bowed, every eyes closed? Is there anyone here that you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt? If the rapture should call right now, if Jesus should come back right now, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you make it to be with him in heaven. It's not some scare tactic. This is giving you a way out. This is giving you escape. This is for you to say, no, no, no. I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to accept him. The message you just shared today, the guilt I've been carrying, the, the heavy weight of all this pressure. I want it gone. I want the peace that you talked about today, Pastor Rowe. And I'm here to say, if you open your mouth and say, but God, please rescue me. He will come and he's rich in mercy and his great love where he loves you. Is there anybody with every, eyes cut, every head bowed, every eyes closed? Okay. So here's what we got to do now. I know some of you personally. And I know what you've been through and what God has done in your life. And I'm giving you permission now to shout out a but God. I want you now to give God who is rich in mercy and his great love he has towards you and I. If that revelation doesn't hit you in your spirit and you don't change some position, I'm not saying you have to stand up and shout like everybody else. Do you? I'm simply saying, I know when Magon tells me she loves me, I get goosebumps. But when I hear my daddy say that he loves me as a result of my condition, oh, I've got to do something more than just get goosebumps. I've got to take one minute out, gather in place. And let's let everyone know that we are alive in Jesus Christ. So now I want you, come on. If you have ever used a but God in your life. And if it's been a while since you used a but God. You're overdue for using a but God in your life. I want you now to open up your mouth. And let the children in the other room hear shouts of praise. That they'll recognize their daddy's voice. AJ, open up your mouth. And let Alex hear your voice. Open up your mouth. Let your babies hear your voice. Open up your mouth. And let your seed hear your voice. That's my mommy's voice. That's my daddy's voice. They're using the butt God again. They're using the butt God again. Open up your mouth, gather in place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Get on your knees so they can stand on their feet. And shout, but God, save my babies, but God, heal my body, but God, restore my marriage, but God, restore my finance, I need a but God. Come on, come on, come on. All your promises are yes and amen.
Come on. Faithful. Come on one more time. All your promises are. The altar, if you want to come and get on your knees so a generation can stand on their feet, I want to invite you. Huh? If you're willing to get on your knees and use a but God so a generation can know I can stand on my feet, I want to invite you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you now in the name of Jesus. As people come and they stay on their knees, you're causing the generation yet to be born to stand on their feet. We thank you and we bless you. In the name of Jesus. I want to make my way to the back to greet you, to hug on you, and to let you know that God has a but God for you. Hallelujah. But when you feel you need to go, you're free to go. The Lord bless you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. I want to make sure I greet you on the back. God bless you. I love every single one of you. And I'm here to tell you, God is for you.